Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR to sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo and Jesse coming at you. Going to get into a little bit of archetyping the trade deadline in a little bit here. But first, some hockey news of the day. And if you're not a member yet with DNVR, now's a great time to do it. You get a bunch of amazing access to things like the DNVR Lounge, big beers at the bar. You get a free shirt with an annual membership. I recommend going and picking up picking up this one, maybe the four Norrisman, as defensemen are dope. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but also, later today, Jesse has a piece dropping on DNVR that, that takes a look about things around the league, about the avalanche, a little bit here and there. So, uh, yeah. Some pretty interesting stuff going on around the league right now, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, dude, no kidding. Uh, it was it was fun because this is going to be a new weekly piece uh, that that will be dropping every Monday. Just taking a look at what's going on around, uh, you know, the team, the abs, the team itself, uh, the league, just hockey in general. Uh, and it was funny because I was I was starting to go through this and like put my list together of what I wanted in there. Um, yeah, like you said, <laughs> like having to narrow it down to just a just, couple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just. Just 10 things is like, holy shit, because there's a lot going on. Um, I do want to get this out of the way. I'm waiting for half my mouth to get unnumbed. So if I sound like I have a lisp or if I start screaming in pain because I chop my tongue in half, just so everyone knows. <laughs> there's a reason for it. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, man, yeah, a lot a lot kind of going on. So um, going to pull a couple things from, from that piece. Uh, make sure you go over there and read it. Uh, it actually should be up here within the next 30 or so minutes. Uh, so head on over to the dnvr.com and read that once it's up, we'll be pushing it out. But a um, couple of things that were in there. And then there is one thing that we will touch on that just broke today that I'm sure will be in next week's piece. Um, but starting away from the abs, man, one of the things that, uh, that I wrote about this week, big week for Nashville uh, last, uh, last week, Starting with their first ever Jersey retirement, uh, Pecorine's number 35 heads to the rafters. Uh, and then they hosted an outdoor game. I thought they did a nice job kind of putting the Jersey retirement in conjunction with the outdoor game. They had Pekka involved. Uh, did you get to watch any of that last week? I did not watch the retirement ceremony. I did watch a decent amount of the outdoor game as hideous as those jerseys were. I, I was going to say, man, <laughs> that, that was like the one part where they really missed <laughs> was <laughs> The jer like the jerseys were just horrible, and then you always, whenever you get a bad jersey, you're always like, "Well, let's see the full getup," because that usually makes it better. You're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, at least, right? <laughs> right, like even the even the Av Stadium Series one that was widely unpopular. Once you put it all together, you saw the numbers on the back. You're like, "Eh, okay, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen." Nashville somehow got worse. Yeah. Well, they went with white numbers, and I know it's like so you can see it in the stadium better or whatever, but it, somehow they made it clash even more. Like, Dude, it was horrible. But that aside, like you said, that aside, um, I thought it was awesome for Pecorine to have his number retired. He was always such an interesting figure to me in the NHL because he was so elite for so long. Then he really went through this, like, multi-year kind of lull where everyone kind of thought his best days were behind him. Then he takes Nashville on this run to the cup. They win the president's trophy the next year. He wins a Vesna trophy. Um, so it's, it's funny because he didn't, well, it's not funny. They didn't win a cup. Like he didn't win a cup. He had that lull in his career, but when you step back and look at it, 
Um, really, really impressive body of work uh, from Pecorine. Very deserved to get his number retired. Um, and I thought he retired at the right time. Like he didn't have to do the whole, now you, you're officially the backup to UC Soros type thing. Like his last yeah. year, they split time. Um, but no, I, you know, man, I did. I thought it was, uh, I agree. Uh, I think he was, he was underrated. Um, but, uh, yeah, happy to see him, happy to see him get that, that number retired. For sure. Um, 369 they, wins in his career. Yeah. Uh, 917 save percentage across all that, a goals against average of 2.43. Um, does he get into the hall? I don't think so. I think I he comes think so. up a little bit short too. Yeah, I do. I do too. I could maybe see it being one of those like third or fourth ballot guys where, you know, if he happens to catch the right year yeah, where there's not a lot of other, you know, there's not many other notable eligible um, candidates, but I agree. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Claude Giroux earlier this week Yep, um, on one of the pods is, if he got that cup, I do. I think he gets Probably in. Probably gets in, yeah. Um, but having never won the cup, I agree. I think he comes up a bit short. It's it's uh, tough, too, because, you know, part of his legacy, especially in his later years in Nashville, you're talking about an absolutely loaded defense on that team in front of right. him. Right. So, yeah. I, yeah. How much do the, do the voters take that into account? I don't know, but. It's not nothing. I'll put it put it that way for Rene. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and like I said, especially because he had those couple of years where he really wasn't good and it kind of gave way to UC Soros being able to capture that net. You sit there and it's like, well, how good really was he? And that was what made the, the bounce back in the cup final and the Vesna and all that stuff impressive. But um, yeah, good, good for Pekka. Happy to see it. Sorry, he had to wear that uh, stadium series jersey for the ceremonial puck drop. Yeah, jeez, oh, that jersey. I didn't even <laughs> like Tampa's were fine, but I didn't even like yeah. those. Like, no, I, I, I just I didn't like that the whatever that bottom lightning graphic was at the bottom. Uh, I didn't like that it didn't wrap all the way around. It was just in the front, and then the back yeah. was basically just a plain white jersey. Yeah, it was, there was nothing interesting about it. I didn't love the the logo on the helmet for Tampa either. It's yeah, just kind of off. They who did they first do that with? Philly and Pittsburgh, I think. And now they're just obsessed with the giant logo on the outdoor helmet. What just, if we just really moved the fans really far away and made everything <laughs> giant? All right, it's brilliant. We need them to see it. Make everything fifty times bigger. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then, so staying, staying around, and this isn't even the NHL, waded into the ECHL waters for this because this was just one of the weirdest things that I've seen yeah, in a while, so man. <laughs> so Sean Avery, everyone remembers Sean Avery, retires 10 years ago now. His last season was uh, 2012. And even then, I remember him being in and out of the lineup, not an ultra popular guy. Some of the antics had really started getting out of control um, on the ice he left the league. There was actually a huge thing like two months ago that he got back on the ice for the first time since he retired. He got rid of all this stuff, gets back on the ice after almost 10 years. And then last week, the ECHL's Orlando solar bears announced that they have signed Sean Avery, uh, 
not even jerseys like a, on sale now. <laughs> seriously, it was like 30 minutes later, pre-sale jerseys. He's coming back. He does this weird interview where he says he's going to try to turn this into a return to the NHL at 41. And everyone and, laughed. <laughs> right, right. It was just it was just a really weird story because I was sitting there saying, what like what is this? Is this marketing for Orlando? Like, are they just trying to sell some jerseys, put some butts in seats for a couple games? Okay, maybe. Is he actually trying to get back to the NHL? I moved on from that theory pretty quick. Yeah, it's like, no kidding. No. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, is he maybe trying to like get back into broadcasting? And is this maybe how he's just trying to make his name relevant again? He hasn't said anything since, and he signs the deal, goes to a day of practice, and then the next day is released and it ends up being this like really weird 48 hour return to pro hockey. And then he's gone and he hasn't said anything since it's, I think it's a really weird situation. I, I do think it's interesting. <laughs> My bet was broadcasting too. We know mm-hmm. like abs former player, Cody McLeod is doing that with Minnesota wilds, AHL affiliate where he is yep. a player, but half the time he's in the, booth uh <laughs> don't really know how it works but it's it's yeah. a thing that he's doing over there um and then i like i don't have details on it but my assumption was they saw him at practice and went oh god what do we get ourselves into yeah yeah that was my thought too that it was just like a uh he played in the nhl he can he's good enough he can and yeah he probably got out there and they were like no <laughs> You're going to die. Uh, right, right. I, I just thought it was weird that, like, if they really had interest in that, why didn't they just have him out to a day of practice? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, maybe do any amount of, like, prerequisite work before right. you just sign him to a deal. The, the, the reason it made it into my piece was because they gave him a contract. Yep. They gave him a contract and put his jerseys on sale. Um, And, and I, I hope they're refunding people who pre-ordered them. Well, like whoever they were going to play for the game was like hitting up George LaRock and it yeah. was going to be like a whole thing. And right. then no, it was just, yeah, it had some real like WWE vibes to it. And it was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? That's um, a really good way to put it. It did have <laughs> WWE vibes for sure. And, uh, and yeah, it just, it ended up becoming nothing. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that they went through all that. And they at least had one Jersey made for the picture. Um, but yeah, really weird, really weird moment out of the E last week. Um, moving on to the F stuff, just real quick, and I'm actually going to lump these two together because they kind of go hand in hand, and I allude to that in the piece. There were two things uh, that Jared Bednar talked about this last week, and both of them tied back to, he didn't say this explicitly, but both of them tied back to where the Avs sit in the standings and the the gap that they've got on the next closest teams, especially in the Western Conference and honestly, they even have a multi-game lead on the rest of the league right now. Yeah. Um, but Jared Bednar did did two things last week um, where he said, like, look, we're in a position where we've got the luxury to do this. One was on Wednesday, they sat Nathan McKinnon because Nathan McKinnon said, ah, I've got something that's just kind of bothering me. So they said, cool, sit it out. Yep. You're fine. And when we asked Jared Bednar about that in media availability, he said, you know, we asked, are you going to be resting players? And he said, we're not looking at it as like we're resting players, but 
if anybody, players, trainers, whatever, comes to us and say, hey, I've got a little something. It would maybe be, you know, helpful for me to take the night off. They're going to do it. We're not resting players. We're just forcing players not to play. (laughs) Right, right. And, and, you know, he he kept saying, we're going to listen to the players. If they say they're good to go, we'll let them play. If they say they're not, we're going to hold them out. But, like, yeah, that, that was basically what I was like. Oh, we're not resting players. We're just um, letting them get rest. It's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, Jared. Same, same thing, but okay. Um, but but it, it just it's interesting because very, very rarely do you see NHL teams have this type of um, luxury. For sure. Especially this time of year when you're talking about um, – you know, seeding home ice in the playoffs, trying to get into the playoffs. I mean, you look at the bottom of the Western Conference playoff race. We've talked about it a couple times uh, recently. You know, a team like Vegas, they, you know, they are, they're trying to put Mark Stone on the shelf for the rest of the season so he can be rested up, come back for playoffs. I still think they get in, but like they need those points right now. Yep. Vegas really can't afford to be sitting players just for fun. And there's a lot of teams that can't. And it just shows to one, the consistency this team has to how bought in they are to this system that they feel that they can sit out top players for a game so that they can be playing at hundred percent. And they're not worried about the drop off in play. I just thought it was really interesting. It was something that jumped out to me that, Hey, look, we're not necessarily going to sit, you know, our top line on any given night just so that they don't have to play. But if anyone says, Hey, I, I could benefit from a night off, they're going to give it to them. Yeah, and, and and they're they're in a rare position to do that. They really, truly are. Like the West is over. No one yeah. is catching the Avs in the West, barring like catastrophic failure. Right, right. Uh, and uh, like you said, they have a four point lead for the President's Trophy right now. It's not like they're even fending that off particularly closely. Aggressively, yeah. So it. The apps have every reason in the world to to do things like that. I assume your other side of this conversation probably has to do with the scratches that Bednar has been making. The lines, yeah, just the lines in general, sure. the scratches, and and again, it, it was. Uh, he said, "We're doing this because we want to do this now instead of when we have to." And you know, I think a lot about Vegas, and and I I, I feel like I'm dunking on him a lot. And Ken's an awesome dude, so I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> but but after the after the Vegas game the other night, you know, we were sitting on the set, and I was scrolling through, and I said, "Man, going through Vegas Twitter right now is hilarious." Um, and you know, Ken brought it up on our show, and then he's said it twice since. See, this Avs team still just doesn't have an answer for the way that Vegas wants to play him. And I thought it was weird that he said that last night after the Avs just beat them twice in a row. Um, but what's interesting about it is Jared Bednar saying, look, we know we're going to get into matchups um, you know, with Vegas, with some of these teams that are going to want to play us in a different way. So we want to try mixing up our lines, seeing what combinations we have, seeing what clicks, seeing what doesn't. To your point, Ruto, who do we want in the lineup for these games? You know, you're scratching Tyson Jost and Abe Kubel. Um, and he basically said, we're doing this now so we don't have to be doing it in game three of a playoff series. Right. And uh, the playoff series is exa- exactly it, right? The Avs win the regular season series 2-1 against Vegas, but both teams know the regular season matchup between these two teams doesn't matter. Right. 
does not matter. It, Vegas has their own issues with they need points a lot more than the abs do to, to get in and get home ice or whatever for the playoffs. But right. you're not taking very much at all from the regular season series between these two teams. Yeah. It, it matters what you do in the playoffs for these two against each other. So hundred percent. And, and it's just, it's, it's interesting because you see the combinations, you know, he, he's, um, he's got Burakovsky with, with McKinnon and Ranton and really high skill group of guys. And honestly, dude, the line that I'm really liking right now is that second unit of Landy Kadri and um, Nachushkin heavy line, hard to play against. I've actually got a buddy shout out Kevin. Who's got this theory going, call it a conspiracy theory that Bednar is really trying to focus on if that second line works because he's going to want to plug in Claude Giroux on the top line with, <laughs> with uh, Miko and Nate. So like I said, just an interesting little theory, but that, that second unit's clicking. And again, both this and then the, the injury sitting players out for a night or two, it's just fascinating because this team is in a really rare position where they can do that and not have to be overly concerned about it. He's getting looks right now on how is this going to help us come playoff time? Um, what, you know, if we need to make changes, where can we make changes? What do we know that we have that we like? Um, really interesting uh, approach for the abs these last couple of weeks. And they've, they've got the ability to do it based on where they sit in the standings. Yep. I, I really do think the abs are in the best position they've been in through the regular season for a very, very long time. Yeah. When it, when it comes to resting players and their just their trajectory in general, as we head into the last two months of the season here, um, so it should be interesting to, to see what they yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're going to be fun to keep an eye on. Before you know it, we'll have McDermott playing with, you know, Nate and Miko, just like, well, we just wanted to see. Um, then last thing that I've got, and like I said, this didn't make it into this week's blog, but um, definitely expect it to be in next week. As we were getting ready to go live, uh, the yep. IIHF did announce that they are suspending uh, Russia and Belarus from uh, international tournaments um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, and then you also mentioned, I think right before we jumped on that they are pulling um, the world championships out of Russia that were, that were scheduled there, I think for either late this year or early next year. Yeah, it's 2023. 2023. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, man, we, we don't need to get too far into it. Um, but, but, but I like this move, you know, everyone, everyone's standing in solidarity, you know, we don't need to preach on it. I think everyone knows pretty much where we stand, um, where everyone for the most part stands uh, with the horrible things that are going on over there. Um, I, I like this a lot. Sports mean a lot to Russia um, and, and their government and uh, hockey in particular. So the double IHF making this move, I, I think is, is awesome. It's, it's nice to see hockey understand the moment a little bit yeah, and understand that, whatever hockey things you have planned, you know, sometimes in the world, hockey is just not that important. Right. Right. I mean, dude, you and I talked about it last week. I know you put it in one of your review videos that like there was a couple days there where it day and a half, two days where it felt really weird to even be doing this. It's like, does this yep. really even matter right now? Um, you know, you've got to be able to continue on with life and stuff like that. Um, so, you, you know, you, you do it, but um, I agree with you. It's, it's, uh, 
it's a great recognition of the moment by by the double IHF and 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 doing um doing the right thing and 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 again there's a comment right there sports mean a lot to Russia and hockey in particular um they take a lot of pride in and and so taking that away you hope you know makes them feel uh, a, a little bit of a, a little bit of hurt yeah for sure um <clears throat> excuse me uh, one other piece of avs news jack johnson plays his 1000th game tomorrow assuming he's in the lineup which i think he will be um so it's always a fun milestone to get the silver stick uh, yeah cool ceremony to be at yeah he he'll be the first since Brad Stewart to do it in an abs uniform. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. So it's been a good little bit since, since someone has reached game number 1000 with the abs. So it, uh, it's always cool. You know, we've, we've talked plenty about Jack Johnson, his limitations as a player at this point in his career, but anyone who gets to a thousand games obviously has to be a pretty decent hockey player. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, good for him. And dude, he's like, Jack Johnson, the person is fucking awesome. He's a great interview. Um, super personable, uh, really nice guy. Never had, you know, never heard anyone say a bad thing about him. Um, so yeah, whatever your thoughts are on the player, don't care. He's an awesome guy. And to your point, thousand games, gotta be doing something right. You don't suck. If you do a thousand <laughs> games, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, you uh, don't you don't back your way into a thousand games. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, okay, on that note, we are brought to you all by Lightshade Dispensaries. Tomorrow, their 11th store in the Denver metro and Aurora areas opens up, so be sure to get over to one when you can. You can order online. Use code DNVR to get 25% off. That's buy an ounce. Get a quad free from Lightshade with the DNVR code. Super easy to order online. Just drive in for pickup. Or if you want to go in and peruse their stuff, you can do that too. Options like Escape Artists for a CBD topical. They got you covered like literally any possible situation you need. They have options ranging from 1 to 1 to 20 to 1. So even if it's like some super egregious pain, it can really help you out. So definitely go check out Escape Artists over at Lightshade. Again, their newest store opens tomorrow. So they really are all over the Denver metro area if you haven't been to one. Highly recommend you check it out. It's a super awesome experience going in there. If you have any questions, the people working there will be like, they'll tell you details about the weed that I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Is but it weed? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Will, it, will it do the trick for me? Great. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, also, as uh, as Jesse found out firsthand earlier today, Green Mountain Dental Group, they really do take care of your people. Apparently, they're like the fastest dentist in the West, Jesse, Bro. or what? <laughs> Dude, crazy. I got two cavities filled today and I was, I was worried about making it home in time for the show. And he got up. He's like, all right, cool. She, you know, she's going to give you one more rinse, a polish and you're out of here. And I see, I looked at him. I said, you're done. Yeah. It's like, holy <laughs> shit. That was the fastest two cavities I've ever had filled in my life. There you go. So even when it comes to filling cavities, they have you covered. You can get a cleaning x-ray and exam with them to get a free Sonicare toothbrush they'll send you home with. Super awesome. Again, everyone who switches to these these men and women at Green Mountain Dental Group are like, they're amazing. They, yeah. They're the best dentist I've been to. So highly recommend you go check them out. They'll make sure to take care of you. Jump on all of that already mentioned the dnvr membership you know you'll go over there go go get a membership it supports us 
it gives you a bunch of awesome content. Highly recommend. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I want to get into the archetypes of the trade deadline here, but I want to start with team archetypes. Now, the obvious archetypes here are buyers and sellers. Uh, pretty clear demarcation <laughs> mark there of, of what teams are going to do. And there are some in the middle, of course. And, and we don't have to talk about every team. A lot of them are pretty obvious. Abs, buyers, teams like right. Arizona, Montreal, sellers. Obviously, can but, I? I'm, and I'm so sorry to interrupt. You're no, totally on a roll. Um, just tying in with what we ended that last segment with, uh, the NHL did just announce that effective immediately. Uh, quote: We are suspending our relationships with our business partners in Russia, and we are pausing our Russian language, social, and digital media sites. In addition, we are discontinuing any consideration of Russia as a location for any future competitions involving the NHL. Um, so I'm sorry derailing you a bit no uh, but news, that was a, what it is yeah yeah that was a statement from the nhl that that was just just released so just wanted to make sure we threw that out there archetypes trade deadline go <laughs> back into it back into yeah. it uh <laughs> it's these teams in the middle where where they get yeah. interesting and the first one i want to start with is vegas because conceptually vegas should be a buyer mm-hmm you can call them a buyer with the jack eichel thing early in the year but the at the deadline one they're not capable of being buyers, full stop. Right. They just don't have the room. And depending on how things shake out, Jesse, I know you talked about this a little bit the other day. If suddenly Alec Martinez and Mark Stone get healthy, they might have to sell at the deadline. Right. So it's a weird spot for a team like that to be in. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I think <laughs> weird is like the perfect word for it because it's a legitimate contending team. Um, that, that to your point, Rudo was a buyer already this season, maybe the biggest buyer that we'll see this year, yep. but given where they find themselves in the standings, uh, and the way they've played over the last couple weeks, you may end up with a legitimate contending team being forced into being a seller to some extent. Now I could see them maybe saying, even with our unsure situation, we're going to sell a little just to give ourselves some room. Cause I mean, dude, they, they really are. It's not that they're up against the cap. <laughs> they're so far over it right. that, that like to your point, they can't, they physically cannot be a buyer unless they are going to LTIR Max Pacioretty and Alex Martinez for the rest of the season as well to try to go out and add John Klingberg or something, you know, I I don't know, but they are going to have to take, we have three weeks till the trade deadline, March 21st. So three weeks, they are going to have to take the next two weeks to figure out where this team is at. Because if they say, no, we need to have Mark stone back before the end of the season, that'll be our deadline acquisition is bringing him off LTIR. Well, then you're going to have to make a move because they either have to commit to getting to the playoffs without Mark Stone or, you know, there's kind of this like mental line of like, oh, well, once they get to the trade deadline, once they get past that, they're fine. Mm-mm. Not really. Caps, no, caps they, until April 29th. So. <laughs> right. So they'll have five weeks that they'll have to get through and they have to decide, can we go those five weeks without Mark Stone? And if there is any doubt, to the answer to that question, they are going to have to be a seller. And like you said, it's a really weird situation. 
You have a legitimate cup contender who was a buyer just three months ago who may be forced into seller mode. It's a really weird spot, and if they're not forced into seller mode, you could be talking about a team that is icing 16 skaters, doing ridiculous things just to not be over the salary cap. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, I said it the other night. I, I don't really know what for sure to call it. Is it arrogance? Is it a little bit of overconfidence? Maybe. Um, I don't think they thought they would be in this position standings-wise. Um, you know, when, when the front office was kicking around, how do we acquire Eichel and stay under the cap? So uh, they they are definitely going to be one of the top two, three teams to keep an eye on over the next few weeks. There are 16 teams. Half the league is currently using LTIR to essentially not be over the salary cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a weird deadline, to say the least. One of the teams that is not abusing that is the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. They are... <laughs> currently third in the central division we've talked at length this year about the uh poison pill of 15 million dollars in dead cap they have coming yep is is this a situation where minnesota talks itself into buying and going all in this year um i i think you will see them buying on um pending ufas Okay. I, I, I really do. Uh, you know, uh, Bill Guerin GM over there has done interviews, uh, this year saying, Hey, look, we are very well aware of what our cap situation is next year. We're trying to figure out, uh, who we've got for next year, how much we have to spend for next year. Um, and I, I really do given their cap situation, they're not dumb. They know, they understand that, after this year, unless you start getting otherworldly contributions from ELCs, which yeah. they've got some good guys coming through the pipeline, but I don't know if they're enough to mask this. Um, they're they're going to hurt for the next two to four years bad um, yeah. from, from a cap standpoint. So I, I think you are going to see them as buyers. I think they're going to go all in on guys that they don't have to pay next year. And I also could see them doing a little bit of like what we saw uh, Toronto do with the Labushkin deal where get rid of a guy who had a, a, had a contract for next year and bring someone in who can help you in the immediate, but you know, will likely walk come this summer. Um, So I think, I think Minnesota um, is going to buy and I think they're going to get creative too, because they know, they're already looking at next year and beyond in terms of what we're going to do with our cap. Yeah. It's going to be a buckle down time for, for Minnesota real quick on that front. The Mm -hmm. other side I wanted to look at is where does the bigger arms race come in this year? Is it the ridiculously stacked top end of the East where you're talking about teams like Florida, Tampa, Carolina, uh, even Toronto and Pittsburgh. Are, Are they all trying to, get on top while the, the East cannibalizes itself, or are you going to see the weak Pacific division try and fight each other to, to take that top spot? I'm going to take the ultimate cop out here and I'm going to say both that those. <laughs> okay. Who goes harder though? <laughs> uh, but, but I do think those are going to be the two where, you know, the Pacific division. Okay. Well, so I'll answer the question of who's going to go harder. I think it's, I think it'll be the East. Okay. 
It's just a bloodbath. You have to. You have to. I mean, you're going to end up with two first-round matchups that are like, this could be a conference finals, and no one would be shocked. In in the first round. So, I mean, like, if you want to just survive the Eastern Conference playoffs right now, you have to be loading up. I think teams in the Pacific are noticing, are, are seeing a vulnerability that, hey, we all thought Vegas would kind of be running away with it. They're not. They're right in the thick of it. And you've got teams like Edmonton, LA, Anaheim, um, you know, maybe teams that you wouldn't expect to normally be there um, who are saying, we're going to try to load up and, and get in. But... I think you're going to see that Eastern Conference uh, teams at the top, New York, um, Pittsburgh, Toronto, both Florida teams, Carolina, all trying to make themselves just a little bit better. Um, keep an eye on on John Klingberg there. Um, I know there's a few teams out East who are interested in his services um, and Dallas would love to move him out of conference, even though, it may not really be an issue yeah. for them, but <laughs> it, I, the thing about the Pacific, when I look at it, is I go, the only team that is definitely a seller in that division is Seattle. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're right. The top teams in the East are going to be at each other's throats and it's going to be crazy. But you're in the East and you're saying, oh, not going to see any competition from Philly. Not going to see any competition from New Jersey. Right. There's there's more of a gap between the best and the worst. And, and that's fairly true, the Central, too. But it's that Pacific division where you can see a bunch of teams talking themselves into doing something dumb, I think. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> so think, that's... Think, yeah. think that's, abstract deadline when they got Bodker. Yep, exactly. And, right. uh, and, and Sean Mathias, where it's like... I mean, those weren't like catastrophic mistakes. The players were fine for them. But they missed the playoffs and they gave up assets. I think you're going to see... Um, teams in the Pacific and a couple teams out East talk themselves into doing stuff like that just because they feel like they need to. Yeah, it's which, whichever team either finishes fourth or fifth, depending on how the wild cards shake out mm-hmm. in, the, in the West, is going to be kicking themselves, I think, from the Pacific. And then Seattle, and you may be getting into this, and so I don't want to jump too far ahead, but they're going to be interesting, and Arizona is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, how fire sale is it going to get? <laughs> how fire sale and how many teams are they going to be willing to eat some yeah. um, salary for in exchange for a pick or a prospect or something like that? Because they both have cap room. Um, they're both at the very beginnings of lengthy rebuild. And I guess for Seattle, it's more of just like a build. <laughs> uh, but... I think it's an interesting conversation for Seattle specifically because you look at Arizona and you're like, oh, they have 10 picks in the first three <laughs> rounds of this year's draft. They've got a little bit of capital going on there already. Yeah. Seattle has their own three picks and that's yep. it. Yep. So uh, as much as Ron Francis doesn't like to wheel and deal, that organization needs to start making moves, moves directed at the future. Full well, stop. Dude, I mean, I mean, look, like I, I don't want to like harp on this too, too much, but they, they call it what it is. They botched the expansion draft. Agreed. They did. They, 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 they had the same rules as Vegas. They had opportunities. There were a lot of good players on the board and they actively chose not to take them. Right. You, you and I have done a couple, um, 
Denver sports podcast shows on analytics and when to use it, when not to, when should you be combining that with the eye test? How can you benefit from it? That was a situation. And maybe I'm even misreading this where Seattle maybe got a little too carried away with the analytics. It's like, yeah, that guy's underlying numbers are great. He's a third line AHL. Like yep. they're great in that situation. And, and I think they got a little carried away. So this is essentially their mulligan. You, you yep. get a redo. You reload it. Right, right. To to get draft picks, I didn't realize that that they only had their own three. I figured they at least had a couple sprinkled in there. Um, you know, you need to load up on some draft picks. You need to get some prospects. Uh, you know, I mean, a guy like Martin Kaut is absolutely the type of player that they should be targeting this trade deadline, whether it be in exchange for taking on a cap hit or, or you know, some of their their own veterans, uh, Jonas Donskoy, Mark Giordano, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those are the types of guys that they need to be looking to acquire. Along with those high draft picks, they're going to be a really interesting team to watch. With Schwartz and Tanev out on IR, uh, they have four forwards signed for next year. Four. Seattle? Seattle. Jesus, dude. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a completely different team next year. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, a couple of those are RFAs, but still. <laughs> still. Yeah, I, and I fully agree with this, the the latest one in chat. They, when they – Columbus, Philly, you and then I, I would nothing. also throw Nashville into that. Yeah. Nashville left like legitimate NA, like legitimate middle to top six – NHLers on the board and they took an AHL like second line center from them or something like that. <laughs> like they, they, they legitimately, I mean, they could have had Matt Duchesne. Uh, they could have had uh, uh Jakob Voracek from Columbus. Uh, yeah. Philly and Washington. I, I just, they, they made really, really weird moves. And I don't remember the last time I, <laughs> I sound like a fucking owl watching the, the, the expansion. Who, who, who's that? I just, it was, it was, it was crazy. So here's their, here's their do over. Yep. Go get some assets, go build your team through the draft. Mm-hmm. You, you failed to find the Vegas magic at this point. There's no redeeming this season for Seattle. They're going to be a bottom five team in the league. Well, And what was crazy about Vegas's expansion year was not only did they end up with good players, like they got Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault yeah. from Florida for nothing, but then they also just were stacking first and second round picks. Yeah, they had a ton of assets. Now they went out and spent all those assets at this right. point, basically. Right. But, but but I mean, even still, and again, time will tell if if it worked out. But like, yeah, they acquired a bunch of assets, and now they've turned those assets into into Jack Eichel and Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, and and, and I know Alex Petrangelo was a free agent signing, but but still, like it's just it's so it's so interesting just to see the the difference in how those two expansion drafts went given that they've both followed the exact same rules. It was nuts. Yeah. And you expected some difference there. Teams, I think knew how to approach it a little bit better, but Ron Francis did nothing. He literally did nothing. (laughs) He just fixed guys and moved on with his life. Right. Right. 
Um, I saw someone asking about Montreal earlier. I'm sorry, I didn't see where the comment went. As far as I'm concerned, anyone not named Cole Caulfield or Nick Suzuki is pretty much on on the trade block. Right, right. Montreal at this point. (laughs) And and the way it's gone, even at that point, like if someone offers you the right thing, at least take the phone call. Yeah, (laughs) no kidding. I mean, and I say that went from a cup finals to the worst team in the NHL. And and look, obviously, Carey Price being hurt and then some of the other injuries they have don't doesn't help. But doesn't make that big of a difference with the situation they're in, especially with guys like Lekkonen, who's an RFA that they would have to pay at the end of the year and they can't really afford to um, some of the other options that they've stuck themselves in with with contracts like Gallagher's. Uh, at some point they got to start finding a, a way to dig themselves out put it that way. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, you know, someone, uh, someone brought back the comment. It reminds me of the apps 48 point season where you're saying this is going horribly and we're a cap team. Yep. Doesn't get much worse than that for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. No kidding. So let's uh, just look at some of the, the more interesting team dynamics of the trade deadline, but do want to get into some actual archetypes of players. Of course, first, we are brought to you all by Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that can really help you out. I know Jesse puts it in his K-cup every single morning, gets that thing pressed right. out. Super delicious. Highly recommend if you haven't tried it yet. It's CBD-infused, so it can help with things like migraines, joint pain, if you have IBS, things like that, it'll help settle it down. So go give it a try today for 25% off with code DNVR25 on your first purchase. If you're not sure about it, we also have it cold brew down at the DNVR bar, so you can go try it down there and see how it does for you alongside a bunch of Breck beer. You can go buy an Avalanche right now at your local liquor store. You can get eight different kinds on tap down at the bar. They're awesome. They're giving away free beers when the Avs score two goals in the first period of a hockey game. You can go to breckbrew.com to learn more about their two for a brew promotion. I There aren't a lot of things genuinely better than free beer, honestly. Yeah. So <laughs> if that's not a win, I don't know what is. I, people the other day were asking about their hats. They have a bunch of awesome hats if you go to breckbrew.com or if you're local go check out their farmhouse. It's a ridiculously Sick. nice venue to, to go hang out at over there and, uh, and just vibe and grab a beer. So go check out Breck brew. They're dope. You know, it, it's, it's all dope over there. Highly recommend. Yeah. You hit up all of our partners, honestly, but beer, eh, not everyone likes beer, but almost everyone likes beer. Yeah. <laughs> everyone can tolerate it. <laughs> third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportbook so we've talked about some of the players that we think are our favorites for the trade deadline pay attention next week we've got a bunch of stuff coming on more accurate targets for the abs but i wanted to start with a, a more umbrella of what the abs might be looking for at the trade deadline this year obviously the ginger gem himself, Claude Giroux, would be great. Let's be honest. Every team in the league would love another top six forward. That's not – no one's going to be surprised that that makes you better. So I'm not going <laughs> to talk too much about the high end of things. Going to get more into probably depth options here. But, Jesse, is, is there an archetype that stands out to you of a player that would be a perfect fit for the Avs this year? Well, I mean – 
I'm going to use him as the example. Um, not necessarily saying that this is like the perfect player, but his name's right there in the chat. You know, Arturi Lekkanen, um, and, and again, we talked about this the other day, and I'm not going to give away too much. Um, but, you know, we, we the, the three of us talked about it. Where the, you know, the Avs have made it pretty clear, both through the draft, through free agency, and through players they've acquired via trade, there is a very specific type of player that they are looking for. Yeah. Um, and, and what's been so impressive about the work that Joe Sackick has done is he's hit on that on almost every player he's brought in. Um, you know, they're looking for someone. Uh, I mean, how many captains is it that they've drafted now? Or, you know, <laughs> former captains of college no. teams or major team teams. They're looking for players, um, you know, that, that, are, that are high integrity, leadership type guys, aren't afraid to speak up in the room. Um, obviously, they like to play with speed and, and play off the transition. And they want someone who just, this team is made up of tryhards. Like if you were playing against the abs in any type of like high school gym class game, they would kill you and you'd be really frustrated because they just work harder than everyone else. Um, and, and a player like Arturi Lekkanen hits on a lot of those Yep. where he shows up, he puts in the work, he can move it. He can move. And he wants to be there. He, he wants to be part of that room. Um, and it's part of the reason why, like you said, we're not going to talk about Claude Giroux, but that's why a guy like that makes so much sense. Captain in Philly, you know, he's going to plug in to this room, uh, you know, right away. And so that's the type of, type of guy that they've targeted and they've acquired over the last few years. Okay. So try hard. With Lekkanen, you're talking about a more defensive forward. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, on the other side of that coin, you have someone like Phil Kessel, who I know you you've particularly been uh, <laughs> been high on. We'll put it that way. Yeah. It, it, how do you think the Avs view their their bottom six? Do you think they need to add a scoring infusion more, or do you think they're looking at a defensive forward more? Part of the reason why I I'm still high on Phil Kessel, um, I mean, just listen to the way that Jared Bednar has talked about that bottom six these last couple of weeks. He's looking for more. You know, Rudo, we've talked on this show about, um, well, your bottom six, you don't need that many big contributions out of them. They're your bottom six for a reason. But th- it's it's pretty obvious, at least to me, that the coaching staff is wanting a little bit more production out of that group. Um, <clears throat> part of the reason why I do think that, that Phil Kessel makes sense still um, is that someone that you, that's someone you can bring in, you put him next to Alex Newhook and you know that at least out of that third line, you've got more offense, a little bit more creativity. He maybe doesn't check the box for the try hard stuff, um, but he's got the skill. He's got the speed. Um, he's been on two cup runs. He knows what it's like to be in that type of room. He's played with Sidney Crosby and Guinea Malkin, super fierce competitors. Um, you know, he can plug in. So I, I, I think their preference is going to be, uh, to bring in someone who can add a little bit of scoring, knowing that if you are trying to add at the top, you have the ability to bump down a Val Nachushkin if you want um, and, and kind of bolster your bottom six defensively, uh, like internally. So that the bringing the Latang comment up there, I was going to flip the question for you. On the defensive side of yep. the Avs, on the blue line, is it is it a more defensive focus? And 
we have to have we have to qualify the defensive conversation <laughs> with the Bowen Byram Bo talk Byram, every yeah. single time. But do you feel like the Avs are looking for defensive help more on the blue line, or are they looking for another puck moving offensive ability guy? I I think I think they are looking for a, a more defensive veteran guy that has a little bit of offensive upside. I don't think they're that concerned with getting now again, like you said, the Bowen Byram caveat to this reigns supreme. <laughs> but um I, you know I look at Jack Johnson and I think they're looking for like four years younger Jack Johnson. Like that's what I think they're after at this deadline. Ideally someone who has the ability to get up ice can uh, contribute, but can eat those heavy minutes. You can put out there late in games uh, and you're going to feel comfortable that, that they're not going to get eaten up. Now, maybe that's not totally the accurate <laughs> description of Jack Johnson, but like I said, uh, four years ago, Jack Johnson, I think is what they're, what they're looking for. Okay. Uh, Someone like, to play with Gerard. I like that answer quite a bit. Just to make this clear. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, Jesse, I know you have talked about in the past. Maybe the abs could look to add a third goaltender, but as star, as far as starter and backup, abs are out on goaltenders. Yes. Yeah, I, I do. I think they'll dip into like the Craig Anderson level market. Sure. <laughs> you know, here's a meh, here, here's a fifth round pick, fourth round pick for some guy that's competent. Um, Just pay for Jonas Johansson again. <laughs> right, right, right. Seriously, like, like that. That's that's what they're looking for. <clears throat> Maybe they don't do it. I'd be a little surprised to be honest. Um, but but that's the goalie market that I think they're in. Um. Marc-Andre Fleury, look, if something happens and you have a, an injury over the next three weeks that you think puts Obviously a goalie down for it, a yeah. long time, that changes it. But um, no, dude, I, I, I really do. I think they are thrilled with what they're getting out of their one-two right now. Um, I think they'll dabble in the third goalie market. But other than that, no, I, I think they're pretty much out. So offensive-minded forward defensive minded D maybe some goalie depth. Mm -hmm. My question to you then, is it reasonable for the abs to make more than one move at this deadline? Yeah. Um, Honestly, Rudo, I'm expecting three. And I I think, I think it'll be one of note. Sure. You know what I mean? One of Um, the player that makes you go, Oh, and then a couple of players that are like, okay, that's depth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's honestly what I'm expecting. Uh, you know, look, just, just with conversations that we've had with, with Joe Sackick and, and, you know, with Jared Bednar, um, they're aware of the situation that they're in. Um, they know that, that they've got, uh, you know, the Nathan McKinnon contract coming up, um, that they're going to look to get done this summer. Um, they know they've got UFAs leaving and then the money's going to get harder to ice a team this good, um, and this skilled, and, and, and so I, I do, I, I think they're going to do everything they can to feel as good as they can heading into the playoffs. I don't think they want to leave anything wondering of, I think you said it the other day, 
you don't ever want to feel like you were one piece short. You can live with overpaying. You don't ever want to feel like you were one piece away. The only thing worse than paying and not winning is feeling like you were one piece away. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and I I love that when you said it because I think that's totally, totally true. Um, comment right there. Claude Giroux, Justin Braun. Just knock out two and one right there. Yeah. yeah. Bang, bang. Yeah. You only have to send one plane to get them. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. So, I mean, if they do something like that, then I guess technically it'll be two deals, but I think, I think the expectation would be um, expect to see him be pretty busy leading up over the next three weeks. Yeah. I, I actually do think there are more interesting players at the trade deadline this year than there have been in the last couple the last couple, there's been kind of one big name that you're talking about. And, and there is yeah. a little bit of that with Giroux this year, but there's also a bunch of other names. You keep going down the list. You're like, Oh, Pavelski solid Klingberg solid, a bunch of other guys where you're like, Oh, teams are going to be wanting these guys now. Right. You don't know how the market shakes out until it shakes out, but I'm hopeful that we don't, have a seven hour show on trade deadline day where nothing happens this year. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, yeah, maybe we'll... I've always felt bad for the, the, and I think they finally stopped the TSN and Sportsnet guys who literally start oh, their coverage yeah, at like four thirty so AM Eastern. Yeah. And, and all the trades have happened in the week leading up. And so they just sit there for 14 hours and then uh, AJ, shout out AJ, jumping yeah. in the chat. Um, I mean, you could even see them do something like that on top of everything else, make a prospect swap. Uh, their pro scouting has done a phenomenal job over the last few years of Winning identifying trades, guys like yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously the, the most famous one is they flipped Chris Bigra, who is now bounced around multiple AHL teams. For Ryan Graves, one for one, Ryan Graves went on to be a very solid, serviceable defenseman for them. And then fetched him a second round pick and a prospect. Yep. So, so yeah, don't be, don't be surprised to see them, you know, make moves at the NHL level. And then yeah, see if they can't find another one of those, especially like we said a minute ago, they're the cap, the cap, not going to be like trouble that they'll be in, but cap will get tighter over the next couple of years. Yep. It's what 19 straight years that the Avs have made at least one deal on deadline day, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll definitely, I'd, I'd be shocked if they didn't do at least something to keep the streak going. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe they'll make like the big trades in the week leading up. And then on deadline day, yeah, they'll make another prospect. Swap. AJ coming with another one, Dominic Toninato in exchange for Jacob McDonald. Like they, they've done a great job. Finding that I, there for sure. Yeah. I right. At at the AHL level, their pro scouting. I mean, dude, their pro scouting doesn't get enough love for the way that they've hit on waiver wire pickups and prospect swaps in the last half dozen years. Um, they've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Completely agree on that front. Um any any final thoughts here? Avs deadline. Anyone else you want to talk about deadline? No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, we've, we've got all kinds of fun stuff coming out around the, uh, talking about deadline and I'm laughing because there's a few things that, uh, have like popped into the chat where I'm like, just wait, <laughs> you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, it should be a fun, not quite a little more than three weeks left. No, I guess exactly three weeks, right? Because February is over today. It's the last day. Mm -hmm. So three weeks until the deadline. We're going to be talking about it a lot. And look, three weeks. Exactly. Three weeks from today. Uh, Obviously, chat, you seem extremely hungry, hungry to talk about it. So again, uh, by the end of the week, just keep your eyes peeled for, for some, not just pod content on the deadline, but a bunch of other stuff too. It's going to be fun. We will be back tomorrow. We have uh, your full game coverage, all of that good stuff. We're also doing a watch along on the third. It should be with uh, PHNX, not with PD, but with Craig and Leah. So be sure to tune into the watch along on Thursday too. It's going to be a blast. You know, we love you. Be sure to like, and subscribe here on YouTube. That helps us out a ton as always. Other than that, we will talk to you all tomorrow.